Welcome to the New Reality Show, where you can call in live for laser coaching and engage in Q&A with doctors Art Emrich and Christina Winsey. Discover how to master the power of your mind, body, and spiritual energies. Get empowered to create your new reality for more happiness, well-being, and success. Well, it's another Friday night. How can you tell? (laughs) We're on the air. (laughs) We're on the air. And it's so, I always love being here with you. This is just. Oh, me too. Highlight of the week. It is. We have so much fun. We hope our audience, we hope you guys have fun. We hope you learn a lot too. We do. So I'm Dr. Chris. And And Dr. Art. And this is New Reality Solutions. We are so happy you've joined us. Um, we uh, have a, it's a call-in talk show. And so what we deal with a lot of different topics to help people. We started the show because we wanted to help more people than just one-on-one in our offices. And people have been going through so much that we thought, how could we reach more people and give them practical, free solutions of things they can do that will improve their lives in health, in uh, their mental state, their their happiness, their fulfillment, uh, dealing with things like anxiety, stress, PTSD, uh, all kinds of topics. And tonight, we're talking about communication and how to create better communication in all relationships with a little thing we call rapport, which you might think is rather simple, but there's a lot to it. So we're going to be exploring that. Meanwhile, you can call in, you can join the conversation, you can ask to be laser coached, or you can um, make a comment. And the phone numbers for calling in in the United States, our toll-free is 1-888-627-6008. And if you're outside the U.S., you have to dial direct 1-323-744-4831. Now, Dr. Art, the first thing we want to do is thank our subscribers. Absolutely. Yeah. We couldn't get by without them. Yes, we, we appreciate you so much, our subscribers. And we want to say to anybody new who's listening, if you get value out of the show, if you think you're going to tune in more than once, we hope you will, then um, please consider becoming a subscriber. And Thomas is showing our engineer, our wonderful engineer, that you go to the main uh, page and you'll see a little thing that says click here and you can subscribe to our great wisdom for 75 cents a week (laughs) starting at two dollars and 99 cents a month so um you we of course we'll take bigger donations if you'd like and it helps us keep the lights on and help more people so we really really thank our subscribers so with that dr art is there anything i've left out that you want to add i can't think of a thing we're uh, we're off and running All right. Well, uh, then it's that great time again for Dr. Art's tip of the week. Tip of the week. The one word tip uh, this week is practice. Uh, Found a very interesting study by Johns Hopkins University reported 
to Inc. Magazine by Jeff Hayden. And um, the idea is um, if you want to learn something faster uh, than you normally would and more thoroughly than you normally would, you make a small one small change to the way you practice, and it makes a huge difference in how quickly you gain a new skill. So here's what they recommend. Uh, most people, they say, repeat the same move over and over again. Uh, let's use two examples. Uh, one would be shooting basketball free throws. So the net's always 10 feet off the ground. It's always 15 feet to the free throw line. And so most people put their uh, toes up against the line and stand directly in front of the basket, and they shoot free throw after free throw after free throw. What they found in the study at Johns Hopkins that if you will make a slight, and this is it, very slight modification um, to your practice. So uh, back up a couple of inches and shoot uh, some free throws from that position. And then a very critical part of it is you have to then wait for six hours. So they're using something called reconsolidation. So the idea is when you uh, practice something, um, you're pulling out the memory of how you used to do it, and you um, uh, you review that and then uh, practice and then put it back in a little folder uh, where your uh, skill is located. So in reconsolidation, what happens is you put a slight variation. Now, if it's too big a variation, then it's like you're learning a new skill. So if you stood way over to the side or you backed up two feet or something like that, that'd be a whole new skill. So you want to make a very small change, move to one side, move to the other side, move back, move forward, whatever it might be, and uh, shoot some baskets that way and then wait six hours for the reconsolidation to take place. So what happens is the folder comes out and now you've added a little bit of variation to your skill that gives you uh, faster learning and more accurate learning. And so that's the basic idea of it. Um, uh, the, the key things, I guess, is uh, not too big uh, a change and not too soon. Um, you can't adjust conditions more than slightly. Do something too different, you'll be learning a new uh, memory, creating a new memory and not reconsolidating the old one. Need to space it out. Um, between uh, sections, six-hour gap is what uh, the research showed was the best. So let's take a different skill. Now, let's say you're practicing giving a presentation. So you'd want to run through your presentation a couple of times the way you expect to be doing it, and then um, do something a little bit different before you um, go through it a third or fourth time. Um, so would that be like perhaps you uh, you walk and gesture to the right in a certain spot of your presentation and then you any walk little in. variation you want to make but whatever that variation is you practice that and then wait six hours and then go back and practice a different variation so you could um, speak a little faster than you normally do speak a little more slowly than you normally do um, you could uh, break your presentation into a couple of different parts and just practice one part of it and, and then uh, put it back together again later. Uh, you could use a different projector, a different um, 
a slide advancer, a different type of microphone, if it's a lavalier mic or you're holding a mic in your hand, any, any variation that you want to make, you practice it that way a few times and then wait six hours. Then go back and do something else different and then something else different. Every time you do it, you're reconsolidating the memory of how to do it well and you're adding to your skill. So wow. that's the basic idea. Don't practice the same thing over and over and over the same way every time. Slight variation, wait six hours. Another slight variation, wait six hours. Now you're using reconsolidation to really give yourself rapid learning and more in-depth learning of how to do what it is that you're doing better and better. Wow, that's really powerful. It would not have worked, however, with uh, taking the biochem exams <laughs> because, you know, biochemistry and chemistry are exact. Yeah. So I can't mm-hmm. practice and, and memorize different than you can what practice it actually is. The way is. you study, though, the way you ah. study could be the variation. Yes. There's always something that you can vary about how it is you're learning. So you're you're varying your learning style, really, not the data itself, but the way you're the way you're incorporating it. Very good. Yeah. Like um, I used to ride back and forth. I I lived in New York City and drove to Long Island for classes Mm -hmm. and uh, I would listen to a recording of my professor on on the drive. And then when I got home, I would actually study the material. So that's Mm -hmm. two different ways of practicing. Right. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think sometimes we we do this inadvertently and not realizing that we're really doing something very, very powerful. uh, And and uh, it works, but we don't even realize what did what did I do differently? I don't know. You know, yeah. 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 Well, very good tip of the week, Dr. Art. You always come up with interesting things. (laughs) Well, great. So now we're on to our topic, which is how to improve communication in all relationships and all of it. Well, a good amount of it comes down to something called rapport. And so we're going to get into uh, answering a number of questions about what is rapport, how does it uh, how does it affect relationships and how can you use it in a way that you are strengthening relationships and what happens if you are breaking rapport and can you get it back? So we have a lot of questions. There are more than that, but so Dr. Art, why don't you um, why don't you start with your definition of rapport? Okay, uh, if we could back up even one step before that is what is communication itself? That's right, that's right. Um, Yeah, and so uh, the best definition I've found, it is the transfer of meaning from one person to another. So anything that you do to transfer uh, what you mean, uh, what you intend to another person and have them come out uh, understanding and appreciating that, then um, that, that, is supposed to be what communication is all about. Mm-hmm. Rapport, as it turns out, is a very interesting. I, I was told in, in 65 years ago in high school speech class, you want to be a good speaker, you got to have good rapport. They never said what it was, how to get it, <laughs> how to know whether you had it, all these kind of things, you know, just go get it, you know, and you'll right. be a good speaker. So as it turns out, uh, an unusual definition, rapport is the establishment of a relationship between the unconscious mind of the speaker and the unconscious mind of the receiver. 
so it's it's not a conscious thing at all um, that does it. We work so hard on you know being being aware, being conscious. That's not where rapport lives. So to, to kind of the fundamental, this is a, a, a fundamental neuro-linguistic programming skill. And it's based on the idea that we do have two minds, a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. And um, conscious mind is not aware of very much at all. It can only be aware of one thing at a time. The unconscious can be aware of, we don't even know how many different things at one time. The conscious mind misses a lot of stuff that's going on when we communicate. The unconscious doesn't miss a single thing. So if you are like somebody else in any way, that is a compliment to the unconscious. That's, oh, this person's being like me. Well, that I feel complimented. You know, they think I'm worthy of modeling or, or copying, you know, and being like that. Um, to the conscious mind, that would be an insult. Oh, you copy, if the kids play that, don't copy me. Another person would say, <laughs> copy me. And then, mama, he's copying everything else. You know, you know, yeah. So this game that we play, but the unconscious, exact opposite. Of the, the unconscious is highly complimented when you are like um, another person. Um, it helps to break down a lot of the barriers so that your communication is received a lot less critically a lot less openly and um, and um, in, in good faith, I guess you could say. Mm. So um, there's a technique, a set of techniques, I guess, where you can establish rapport with anybody, anywhere, anytime. And the example I love to give is if I, I use this when I check in at hotels or, or really anywhere, uh, let's say that the person, the desk clerk person, was a six and a half foot tall blonde Amazon with very fair skin woman. And um, my job is to be like her in every way that I can. (laughs) There's a lot of ways that I'm not going to be like her and never will be. However, in terms of NLP, there is a raft of things available to me. And, And kind of going back to the very fundamentals, uh, there is a book by Albert Moravian called uh, uh, Hidden Messages. And uh, what he discovered was that um, the meaning of a communication is derived from our body language. 55% yes. of what we mean is body language. Yes. Well, I can, I can copy her body language. I can look at her... Um, uh, posture, her gestures, her facial expressions, and believe me, the most powerful and most subtle one is I can breathe with her. Every time she breathes in, I breathe in. Every time she breathes out, I breathe out. Now, this wow! Takes a while to learn how to do. Yeah. Uh, and there's some people that you you cannot do that with. I cannot breathe with my wife, for example. She breathes so fast that I would fall over after about five <laughs> minutes, I'd be over oxygenated. And so it doesn't work with everybody, but basically you could breathe with another person. Um, so so um, that's the physiology part. Um, 38% comes from voice qualities. I can certainly copy her voice qualities. Uh, how fast is she speaking? Um, how loud or softly is she speaking? Um, 
what is the clarity of her voice? If I want to talk like Bill Clinton, I have to put a little scratchy <laughs> in my voice. You know, I can't do it real clear. So there's that part of it. Um, there's a, the um, tone, the pitch um, of the voice, high pitch, low pitch. Um, only uh, 7% is the actual words, you know? And when we communicate, we're word merchants. Boy, we go after these words and we had to pick exactly the right word. Well, as it turns out, words, of course, are very important. The wrong word is not gonna get you where you wanna go. But the right word with the wrong body language or the wrong voice tone uh, or the the wrong um, uh, attitude about how you're speaking to the person changes the whole meaning of it. So you you have to get all of them working in concert with each other. So uh, what we do uh, with words is we talk about predicates, the verbs that people use. If somebody, if you're talking to somebody and you explain something to them, they said, oh, I see what you're saying. They see what you're saying. They're processing that information visually. If they say, oh, I hear what you're saying. Now they're processing auditorily. They hear what you're saying. Or, you know, that just doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't feel good, you know. Now they're processing kinesthetically. So if you will pick a verb in the same uh, column uh, of either auditory, visual, or kinesthetic, and give that back to them, then you are speaking their language in, in a verbal sense. And that is a very powerful way. Now, you can tell that all these things can be very subtle. The person is never going to realize what it is you're doing. If you're doing it well, they won't. If you're not doing it well, they're going to say, are you copying me? And then, then you know, you, well, I'm not doing it very well because it rose above the threshold and now they're noticing it. They're not supposed to notice at all. Uh, what well, doing. One of the things that I, I just want to interject, I think it, that mm-hmm. starts rapport right away mm-hmm. is a big smile and an, uh, uh, just coming to a relationship, whether it's a clerk behind a desk or whether it's a coworker or a family member, when you are when you are centered within yourself with a good feeling about who they are and who you are, and you come at them or you come to the relationship, the relationship. Yeah. with a big smile and a feeling of this is going to go well. And this goes back to something that we talked about, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, where um you're doing something called segment intending. Mm-hmm. I think rapport is much easier to establish when you anticipate the interaction mm-hmm. and you anticipate it going well. And you think about, you know, there are going to be people you meet that you've never met before. You can't anticipate those. So right. that's where what you're talking about is very powerful and, and very much a way of ingratiating and creating a good uh, communication stream. But when it's a relationship that you want to improve or um, there's a communication you want to have, mm-hmm. and you, if you think about it beforehand and set it up so that you say, well, I know that they're kind of this way and how can I hear them and really be present for them Mm 
and still get my point across. Because as we say in NLP, the meaning of my communication is the response that I get. Is the response. Is the response. And (laughs) and I have to say, there are a lot of times I have messed up because I thought I was being extremely clear. It made total sense to me. And here's, here's a good story that I think really bears... Uh, or is part of rapport. Um, I had a, a physics professor who had taught physics 101 and 102 for about 20 years or more. And he was pretty bored by physics 101 and 102. But I was a young college student and I had never done physics before. I had done some in high school, but I had never done it at that level. And I needed that credit to get into chiropractic school. And so I was busy, you know, uh, professor, can you, uh, uh, what, wait, what about this? And, and he was getting obviously annoyed and, and it was like, well, well, wait a minute. I wasn't, I wasn't an annoying student. It wasn't like I was asking too many questions and everybody was rolling their eyes saying, oh, here she goes again. It wasn't that kind of thing. It's that he was droning on and expecting us to know physics. And so that's, I think, something that, you know, because I said to him, uh, you know, I know you've been doing this for 20 years, but this is my first time. Because he was so obviously annoyed with me. It was like, well, wait a minute. I need an A in your class. So I think that when when we want to create rapport, the way you're talking about is is absolute. That's great stuff. And we also want to think about what are the words we're going to say and in what way are we presenting them and, and how do we want this to go so that we are more prepared for what comes back and thinking about if I'm communicating something and I know it really well, but they don't, then don't assume any knowledge on their part just because you know it. And that was the thing with the professor. He was assuming knowledge that we didn't have. Yeah. Well, if you're yeah. practicing good NLP, um, you have to be uh, noticing what these things are in another person what is their physiology what's their voice so if you've got a real fast talking professor and you say well professor i'd like to know what you have (laughs) just totally mismatched that professor you better speed up your questions or you're not speaking their language Mm -hmm. or if if they've got a real loud voice and you come in at this real soft one or vice versa they can have a real soft voice and you come booming out you're not going to be establishing good rapport. Now, what you were talking about before is starting with a smile. That's called a lead. And and part of what we do is a dance in NLP and rapport building. We lead and then we see if they follow. If they follow, then we lead some more. If they don't follow, we go back and do some more rapport building until they do follow. That's how you know whether you have rapport or not. They will follow your lead. So if you smile... And what you get back is a is a real frown and an angry looking face. Don't keep smiling. You're mismatching <laughs> them. And, and they're not ready for that big smile. So one of the fun uh, stories that I have uh, is a guy I went to see uh, somebody he was calling on. And he got there. And this was in the olden days. He had a secretary. And she said, he's on the phone. Go on in. You know, he said, send you on in. 
So the guy goes in and the guy's on the phone and he is exploding. He's so angry. He's, what? what are you talking? That's not the truth. That, don't give me that. I'm not taking any more of that. Bam. And he slams the phone down. He said, do you know what that son of a gun was trying to make me do? And the good salesman, he said, no, what? You know, he just <laughs> went right at you. He said, and and so he, he got into that same place and then slowly, slowly kind of leads the guy to a more calm uh, pattern. But if he had started off with, no, I have no idea what he was doing. What was mm. he saying? You know, he's in another world. And so mm. get in their world and then lead them out into a better one. If they're in a bad place, you can do that. Mm. But certainly lead with a smile. I mean, that's a way to start a good conversation. And And if you get a smile back, they followed your lead. You're starting to get rapport right then. You know that you're getting anything you do that they copy you, then then they are uh, showing their unconscious. Notice what you did, and they want to model your behavior. They're using their body as a giant biofeedback device, just like you're using your body as a giant biofeedback. And when the two are both doing that together, if you see couples out dating sometimes in a restaurant, it's just fascinating to watch them. They'll both reach out, they'll pick up the water glass, they'll drink together and they'll set it down. Then they'll both pick up (laughs) the knife and fork and they're cutting their food together and they're watching each other and they're putting the fork up to the, you know, it it looks like it's choreographed. (laughs) In a way it is, it's choreographed by their unconscious minds trying to stay in sync with each other to let each other know at the unconscious level, I am like you, I am with you. It doesn't mean you have to like the person, but you do have to be like them in mm-hmm. every way you in every way you possibly can. So th- some of the subtleties of that, uh, people will do funny things with their eyebrows. They're, they're doing like this a lot, you know, and, and you can copy that. But don't copy every time they do it. Don't you do it too? Because that's uh, they'll notice that right away. They'll notice that, yeah. Every It'll now look, and then, just throw in a little eyebrow raise, you know. Or some people do something funny with their nose. They'll they'll do like this occasionally. Well, throw one of those in occasionally, you know. And it and their unconscious will pick it up and say, "I'll be done." That person has the same kind of a behavior that I do, <laughs> and they're just thrilled by it. You know, yeah. it's, it's really amazing how fast it will work. Well, now let's talk about, um, this is, this is such great stuff, but let's talk about, um, does good rapport guarantee a good relationship is one of my questions. And I think that, um, I mean, I think that's pretty easy to answer. It doesn't guarantee a good relationship because relationships go through many different things, you know, so you can be in rapport when you're dating and then as as marriage goes on and both of you grow and change and life happens, uh, there are challenges to staying in rapport. There are challenges to your communication. So I don't think that good rapport guarantees a good relationship, but it sure enough does support a good relationship. In fact, but, you can almost say there are no guarantees to a good relationship. <laughs> for, this for is so time. true. I mean, no. This is so true. 
But yeah. I want to know, you know, uh, first of all, we need to take a station break real quick. Okay. So yeah. I just for if you've just joined us, you're listening to New Reality Solutions with Dr. Art Emridge and Dr. Christina Winsey. And we bring every week a new topic to help you have a better life. And that's mind, body, and spirit. We're about all kinds of things. We also bring uh, best-selling authors that uh, have fascinating topics to help you. And every week we offer something free to you that you can do at home that uh, improves you in that area um, and helps you if you're struggling with whatever it is that we're talking about. And you're welcome to look at our archive shows on our show page because we have tons of topics that you may find really helpful. Uh, we, we really kind of cover the gamut of, of human situations in many ways. One so, of the previews for tonight, um, I will be glad to send that uh, Johns Hopkins study. It's, a, it's three pages of information about what they found out about the reconsolidation process. So fascinating study. Really fascinating. Study. Yeah. And help people practice and, and get better at something. It's a great mm -hmm. idea. So if you want to, uh, we'll put our email up at the end of the show. But meanwhile, if you'd like to call in to get laser coaching, to join the conversation, to ask a question, um, we can be, uh, Thomas, if you put the phone numbers up, I guess Thomas is uh, otherwise occupied. You know, he goes okay. through two different yeah. studios. Um, so in the United States, if I remember correctly, it's 1-888-627-6008. And if you're outside the U.S., you dial direct 1-323-744-4831. Thank you, Thomas. Awesome. So um, we hope you'll call in. We hope you have a question. We hope you want to join the conversation because we can talk a, a blue streak. And um, uh, so we're getting back to our topic. We were going to talk about uh, breaking rapport, things not to do that break rapport. Yeah. Some interesting things that we uh, often do, not intending to break rapport, um, yawn and stretch while somebody else is talking is <laughs> a good one, non-verbally. Uh, look away, look at the ceiling, look at your hands, look at your feet, look at your shoes, check your watch, uh, tap your fingers on the table, um, get your cell phone out and start doing emails or, or reading uh, notes and uh Turn your back on the speaker. That's a that's almost a uh, well. That's guaranteed. <laughs> dead, dead giveaway. Yeah. Uh huh. And um, uh, pretend like you're going to sleep or really go to sleep. <laughs> those are, <laughs> are nonverbal ways. Now, now some of the more drastic ones we do we don't do a lot, but uh, drumming fingers, looking at watches, uh, checking cell phones. Those are are frequently things we do. They are absolutely guaranteed to interrupt the rapport building process. Mm -hmm. They just don't. And verbal ways interrupt a lot. Um, overreact to some word or phrase and object to, you know, I don't like it when you say X, whatever it is. So, um, change the subject. Uh, ask questions that are unrelated to what they're talking about. Um, disagree with them repeatedly. Ask why. 
laugh at inappropriate times. They're, all of these things are, are interrupters of a really good, nice flow of communication. So to the extent that you want to break rapport, and sometimes you might want to purposely break rapport. So those are good things to know about. How would you do it if you find yourself getting in rapport with somebody that you don't want to be in rapport with anymore? You have to break it off because mm -hmm. it will go on unless you do something about it. Mm. Rapport is a choice. There ought to be a payoff for you uh, for doing this. Um, and uh, if you if you don't see any particular reason to have good rapport with somebody, then just communicate in the way you normally do, which I'm sure is pretty delightful in itself. It just doesn't have any of these ingredients of building very high uh, quality relationship between the two unconscious minds. So when you do that, you are really in for some very, very high level communication. You can, you can transfer uh, enormous complexity of meaning without error, uh, with good spirit, and the other person is joining you in this, in this uh, rapport uh, activity that you're engaged in. And they will benefit from it, even if they have no idea what you're doing. And most people, believe me, if you're breathing with them, and uh, if they lean over a little bit to one side, and then as you're talking with them, then very gradually, you just kind of uh, work yourself into that same kind of thing, you know, uh, as the theory in. You don't, you don't jump right away, and, 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 you know, it's not an instant thing. I had a person, for example, tell me, boy, you'll never believe what happened. I went fishing the other day, and I caught a fish this big. I mean, it was gigantic. <laughs> and I said... This big? Are you serious? You know, I held my hand up just like they did. So I'm copying their their gesture that they did. And it was instant rapport because I I just showed their kind. I got it. I see mm -hmm. what you did. Mm -hmm. And and um, so there are ways that you can do it pretty rapidly. Uh, otherwise, uh, when you are um, modeling, uh, particularly physiology, the body language, it's a good idea to wait a few minutes and, and do it. Um, uh, after a period of time, and then gradually uh, do maybe a miniaturized version of it. So if somebody all of a sudden crosses their arms like this, you know, if you did that immediately, they would say, what the world's going on? But, but over time, you can kind of put one, one arm up like this, and then eventually, you know, get the other arm up, and you're not quite as way up here like this mm -hmm. as they were, but you've got a, a reduced version of it, and you went into it very slowly, and then as they if they if they just suddenly drop their arms you don't suddenly drop yours you know you just let one of them go and then and you keep one of them up there and then and then eventually just kind of let that one slide down and go away so you're miniaturizing and you're delaying and that still gives you the opportunity to be like they were and then slowly move into a, a different physiology than than what they had so it's well, a, I I think that's that's so cool. And um, also, uh, you know, leaning forward, if they're leaning forward and leaning yeah. back, if they're yeah. Yeah. back in your chair. What yeah. I wanted to bring up was um, something that's purely about communication, even more than rapport, mm -hmm. um, is letting the person know that you really heard what they said. Mm -hmm. So active listening and repeating it back the, like you just did with the fish that was this big yeah. that mm -hmm. told that person that you got it 
Got it. So it's it's yeah. even more than rapport. It's that you they were heard and right. they were seen. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to be aware of, though, is that there are people that will probably upset you and break rapport with you because they're oblivious to active listening. They're oblivious to hearing you. In fact, um, one of the reasons one of my marriages didn't work out. <laughs> was because whenever there was a challenge and I brought up how I was feeling, there was zilch, zilch, zippo, like, oh, I'm sorry you felt that way. That never even uh, happened. Nothing never. No acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, mar- miracle that we got married. But, um, yeah. you know, when when you're as kinesthetic and empathic as I am, not to be heard and not to have that level of uh, really knowing that the other person gets why you're upset and Mm -hmm. then they can bring their point of view instead of the other person immediately having to say what they're, what they want to say to defend or to, to shoot you down or whatever it is. It's really important to be aware that there are people who are just not capable of that kind of conversation. Uh, yeah. communication not interested not not aware of how to do it or anything yeah. Yeah. no skill yeah. yeah and that lets so you know that, right away you don't want to be in that yeah. relationship absolutely it can tell you really fast well the thing about words um although they are um you know just seven percent if you find in a conversation that somebody is using a word or a phrase frequently be sure that you try to work that into your conversation, not not as often as they do, but certainly at least once, because that is a way they know unconsciously that they were heard. Now, consciously, they may not even get it that you use the same phraseology that they did, but their unconscious got it right away. So there was a, a guy that called on a, a used car uh, dealerships, and he was teaching what we're talking about now. How do you build rapport? Because people would come in and say, oh, I saw in the newspaper that you were having a sale on cars, you know. Yeah, let me show you this car, you know. And and so they got it. You know, I saw in the newspaper, okay, let me show you this car. Now get in there and start this thing up and listen to that motor, you know. <laughs> now they're off into auditory and kinesthetic and they're, they're all over the map. And so most people will try to sell you in their favorite representation system. If they're kinesthetic, they want you to buy kinesthetically. If they're auditory, they want you to buy auditory, and they'll go to great extent. So um, this uh, this guy was talking to the salesman. He said, so what are you going to teach my salesman again? He said, well, a, a variety of things. He said, yeah, I know a variety of things. He said, we had a guy in here the other day, and he was going to teach us how to do something, and and he just wanted to do all, it was a bunch of crap like that, you know, and, and, and he was talking about, and every now and then he would say a bunch of crap like that, a bunch of crap like that. He said, so what are you going to teach my people? And he said, well, you know, I'm going to teach them how to listen and how to do, and, you know, a bunch of crap like that, you know, instant report. As soon as he said that, the guy said, oh, okay, well, so tell me more about it, you know, because he used the same phraseology. So it's amazing. And people will hunt for ways to connect with other people. Um, did we go to the same college? Did we go to, mm-hmm. were we interested in music? Are we interested in uh, the same sports teams, uh, baseball, football, basketball, whatever it might be? 
So they're looking for ways to connect with the other person's experience of the world to say, I'm like you, I like that also. Mm -hmm. And the more of those bridges you can build into the other person's world, the more comfortable they are with you. Again, they don't have to like you, but they have to know that you are like them. The more different you are, the more suspicious, the more untrustworthy, the more risky you are, but the more you're like them, the easier it is for them to just be very comfortable. Oh, this person's like me. They're okay. I can be, I can be more relaxed with them. I don't have to be on guard all the time because we're kind of alike in whatever way it is. So mm. I, I do a lot of rapport building with the, um, the guys at uh, Publix that um, pack, pack groceries and, and bring them out to the car. I know all of them by name. They know me by name name. I walked in the other day and I, I, I use a little electric cart whenever I'm in Publix. And so I walked in and this guy came over and he said, Art, there aren't any carts on this side. You stand right here. I'm going to go get you one. He walked all the way to the other side of the store, got a cart and drove it back and gave it to me. Those are the kinds of little things that can happen when you have a relationship with somebody. They're, they enjoy being with you. Um, I call them by name. Uh, I ask him, how's the day going? You know, what, any weird people come in here today? You know, the whole, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to get into their world and appreciate and enjoy it with them, you know? Sure, and, and sure. The neat thing about establishing rapport is it's really fun. It's just yeah. really fun to do. It just, yeah, just, definitely. In addition to the relationships you, you create with it, it's just a, now let me give you another tip. If you say, well, gosh, you know, I'd love to practice on this thing, breathing with somebody else or practicing these gestures and facial expressions and even even uh, blink your eyes with another person. That's another thing you can do. There's, there are things you can do that their conscious mind will never pick up. They just We don't notice. Is this person blinking their eyes at the same time I do? We don't notice that. Mm-hmm. But you can notice it and do it. So use the television. I establish rapport with all the people I can while I'm on TV. <laughs> and I'm just, because the, uh, uh, Ashby's law says that in any relationship, the person with the widest degree of variation in their behavior is going to control the communication. Hmm. So if somebody is speaking faster than I can speak, that's a challenge to me. I'm normally a slow talker. And I'm, I'm a, a medium to low um, uh, volume. And so if somebody is really loud, that's hard for me to do is to just yell out stuff, you know. Well, I see people on TV doing that all the time. I yell right back at them, you know, <laughs> using them to, to practice on anything they do. I want to be able to do it in my comfort zone. I can, you can do a lot of this stuff and you feel like, ooh, boy, this just feels terrible. And you don't feel good about it. If you do it enough and you practice it enough, you'll widen your comfort zone out so that it's at least as wide and hopefully even wider than anything you're ever going to run into. And that way you can comfortably move fast talking, slow talking, loud talking, uh, low volume talking. Um, A lot of variation in pitch, or you can go to a straight monotone where there's no variation in your pitch at all. It's just straight flat, you know. That's not the way I usually speak, but I can learn to do that and I can do it. In 
that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm going to give back. It yeah. sounds weird to me. It sounds absolutely natural to them because that's the way they talk all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they're comfortable with it. It's in their comfort zone. Yeah. So you just learn to get in somebody else's comfort zone and, and just be happy being there, you know, just have fun. Playing. Well, I love that story about the, about the um, baggers and the people at Publix. Publix, if you're not in Sarasota or the South, Publix is our grocery store chain. Oh, yeah. So um, wherever you're listening from, that's what he's referring to. Um, But, uh, you know, I have another question that that I wrote down for us to answer, and that is, if you break rapport, um, can you regain it quickly? And I think that, uh, you know, with all of these different ways of gaining rapport, you can recoup depending on... Did you totally piss them off or yeah. did you completely destroy the conversation because you negated what they had to say and now they don't even want to talk to you? Yeah. So there are degrees of breaking rapport. You can't right. just necessarily um, expect that every time you break rapport, because uh, if the, if it's downgraded and and you've ruined the the communication in the first place it's impossible until everybody's cooled off sometimes you have to just kind of give it some time you have to to withdraw and uh, a little breathing room and then come back but it is possible to regain it for sure and and the way you regain it is just the way you got it in the first place pick out something that you can model using your body as a biofeedback device and you feed back to them whatever it is you see, whatever you hear that they're doing, you feed the same thing back in a way that they don't notice it. And it will very quickly catch their unconscious, the, the other person's unconscious mind's attention and say, oh, the person, you know, they made me really angry, but now that apparently they want to they wanna reestablish because they're starting to feed me some things that are like me again and they're showing me that they want to be like me and 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 therefore we can we can start over you know start again but uh, yeah you, you can definitely get it back again in fact you need to test periodically um and the way you test is to do a lead so that you do something they're not doing and see if they copy you if mm-hmm. they don't you don't have very high level rapport yet if they do that's proof that you have good rapport. That's the only way you can tell whether you have it is you throw a lead in where you do something totally different to see if they follow you. And if they do, then that's indication that their unconscious notice that you shifted and they wanted to shift to be like you to keep that likeness alive, you know, at a high level, then they will shift and, and start copying what you're doing. So it's like a dance. Sometimes you lead, sometimes they lead, and you're you're trading back and forth, and and it it feels like a dance after a while. One of the interesting ways somebody said, well, the best way that I can tell I have rapport is that I get butterflies in my stomach, <laughs> and 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 they can feel it. They, physiologically, they actually feel there's an excitement about it or something, and it gets their stomach out <laughs> butterflies, and, and uh, interesting. They, they notice that. So yeah. everybody will have their own way of, of telling. Um, sometimes it'll be a facial expression. There'll be more smiles on the other side. That there's, there's a relaxing 
into the relationship. They don't look like they're straining or they're on guard or they're protecting themselves all the time. They just kind of ease into it. And it's just a much easier back and forth of, of uh, trading ideas and, and uh, information back and forth. Well, I want to uh, simplify this for people because I think um, that uh, if they think they have to do all these things yeah. to get rapport, it can be like, you know, you, you, you made a great suggestion of practicing with the TV where you take the newscaster and pretend that he's a, a person you want to talk to and see what he's doing and practice one thing with the facial expression or one thing with the inflection of the voice, one thing with the speed of the voice, one thing about the way he holds the paper, or if he's, uh, you know, got some kind of a posture change. And so pick one. Don't necessarily feel as though you have to do all these things. But what Please pick one and, <laughs> and hold that one until you can do that. Two things you want to get to the point of. You can do it without having to think about it. It's just kind of second nature for you. And, and you can do it and feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Then go on to another one. Uh, there was something called um, Bee's Revenge. When, when we were in uh, class, learning NLP, uh, we were taught all of these things and they said, okay, now I want you to practice rapport building. So this person is going to just talk. They're going to talk to you and your job is to establish rapport with them as many different ways as you can. And what they did tell us was at the end of this, the person's going to say, so what do you think about that? Well, all of us said, what do I think about what? I was so busy doing all that. I didn't even hear anything you said. I'm looking at your breathing. I'm about you. So they said, don't get into bees revenge because just pick one until you can do it until it's just not an issue for you anymore. And then pick another one and then pick another one and pick another one. Now, over a period of weeks, you will add, and you don't need 20 of these. I mean, if you do three of them well, you can establish fabulous report i would recommend that one of them be breathing because that is so powerful and so subtle people will never pick up that you're breathing with them i mean it's Mm -hmm. just not something we we don't notice our own breath and we don't notice other people's breath either and so the fact that we're doing it together is not a you know it's not something that ever gets up to the level of our conscious awareness it just doesn't get there I would recommend um, what's worked for me is um, making sure that I'm listening to whether they're visual, auditory, or kinesthetic and using those words. And it's kind of like a love language. If you haven't read the book, The Five Love Languages, I highly recommend you get it because it is not an NLP book, but it is a book about understanding what makes the other person feel loved. It's the rapport of love, I guess you could say. Yeah, it is. Because what I I used to say is um, about uh, about certain relationships, if if I'm talking and my language is A, B, and C makes me feel loved, and you're saying X, Y, and Z, 
I'm not feeling loved. So it's really important that you find out, uh, for instance, do you have a boss who likes reports that he can see and hold in his hands? Mm -hmm. Do you have, uh, does your spouse uh, like to hear, I love you? Mm -hmm. Or does your spouse really get happy when you bring home a card or some kind of special something you know so it it's a a, the same kind of thing when you're finding out if they're visual or they're auditory or they're kinesthetic where they feel something deeply or they like the touch of something so um i remember a story uh that i heard when i was learning nlp and it was about a um uh with a kinesthetic secretary the boss decided to to have a dance with her and so they they were dancing in the office and it made her feel really good like oh boy this is this is someone who speaks my language so it's that kind of thing that uh i think dr art is frozen are you there yes i'm Ah, here okay looked like your screen was frozen oh um But that would, you know, I was talking about uh, a boss having a dance with the secretary on Secretary's Mm -hmm. Day uh, Mm -hmm. because she's kinesthetic and that kind of thing. So um, I I always go to the what we call the submodalities, the auditory, visual and kinesthetic, because they're so powerful. They just really uh, just saying, I see what you mean to someone who's visual makes a huge difference. Right. Now, there are things that um, that show up also if you will um, just start paying attention. Some people like to be very, very close to you when they're talking, maybe invading your comfort zone of your personal space. There are cultures in this world that the Arab cultures, I think, are extremely close. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. get right in your face and talk to them. That's very comfortable. Uh, to a Japanese person, that's almost would make them faint. You know, they, mm. they, they don't even get close enough to shake hands. They stand way apart and bow to each other. You know? right. And, right. And so if you if you will notice certain cultural differences that uh, are appropriate in some cultures, not in others. Um, one of the things we have is look me in the eye when I'm talking to you. You know, that's one of our <laughs> expectations. There are a lot of people personally that is very intimidating. They don't mm. like that. Some cultures find that extremely um, uh, challenging and and uh, almost a, like a, an insult or, or mm-hmm. an invitation to fight. Mm-hmm. And so, get aware of what other people's comfort zones are and fall into their comfort zone, and you will make them much more easy to get along with. If you insist that they have to follow your rules about social distance and, and uh, not, not social, even facial distance, I guess, mm-hmm. how close are they going to yeah. be when they're talking to you? And what are they looking at? Um, I had a, a, a guy that uh, we really wanted to get him on board. We were trying to get him to give up his card catalog and put everything on a computer. Hmm. And he he was not going to do it. And he he had the authority to resist if we wanted. So we sent um, a guy down who was very good at NLP. And this guy, one of the things when he was talking to a a person, he would pick a spot on the ground about two feet off to the left. 
And he would look down at that spot and he would kind of shake back and forth while he was talking to you. He was looking at that spot on the ground and that's the way he communicated. And so this guy said, okay with me, I'll look at that spot and I'll lean back and forth and I'll talk to him that way. They established rapport almost instantly. This guy said, oh, okay, good. He's kind of, he's okay guy. You know, he, yeah. he doesn't make me look at him when, when I'm talking because I don't like to do that. And uh, and he gave up his card catalog. <laughs> wow! So uh, very influential. Sometimes you can get people um, uh, to be comfortable doing things you want them to do because they trust you more. That you're mm-hmm. more like them, and therefore they have a little bit of a willingness to to let go and ease up on it. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are out of time, unfortunately. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I know. Another Friday night that we've had fun, and we hope we've given you a lot of good things to think about, to practice, uh, to make your relationships and and uh, your experience of life better. Um, next week, we will have a an author, um, and we'll be telling you more about that with uh, on, if you're on our mailing list. I'd like to give you our email. If you'd like to get on our mailing list, you can contact us at uh, contact nrshow at gmail.com. And if you're not watching, but just listening, again, I'll say it. It's contact, the word contact. N is in Nancy, R is in Rachel, show at gmail.com. And just uh, give us an email. Tell us, hey, I'd like to be on your mailing list. I'd like to know what's coming up. Uh, Certainly, if you're a subscriber, you will be on our mailing list. And we also wanted to just uh, thank you again, subscribers, for helping us keep the lights on here. Um, And Dr. Art has a free handout for you. It's that Harvard, uh, that Hopkins study on how to practice better. So, um, yeah, what a wonderful, uh, just a great conversation as usual, Dr. Art. Yeah. And if you also are more interested in NLP, if you're right, um, I, I have some handouts that I can send you on. Uh, I have a list of the words uh, that we used, uh, the different verbs. I have a list of auditory verbs, a list of kinesthetic verbs, a list of visual verbs, so that you can practice selecting different verbs um, from from the different columns if you hear somebody using them. The first time, again, this is what happens in training. They said, okay, listen to verbs and feed those back to the person. For two days, I swore that nobody ever used a verb after that. I couldn't hear a single <laughs> So you have to learn some of these things very gradually. And please go at it that way. Don't try to yeah. cram it all in one session. Just awesome. pick a little piece, learn it, then pick another little piece. Much fun. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope yes. you'll join us next week on New Reality Solutions. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this show, please consider being a supporter. You can find that on our show page. Tune in every Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new reality show for announcements of upcoming topics and exciting guest interviews. Bye for now.